Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we began a three-week sermon series on stewardship, and we're looking at stewardship, three different categories of it over the course of these three weeks. Last week, we heard from Pastor Andrew about how we can steward this gift of time that God has given to us. A gift that we are given all in the exact same amount. We all have the same 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week. And yet we all know the struggle that comes thinking to ourselves or maybe saying we don't have enough of it, enough time to do what we want. So last week we heard from Pastor Andrew about how we sometimes don't use this gift of time wisely and how we can make better use of the time that God has given to us. Today, we're focusing on treasure, and then next week will be talents, not to be confused with the parable of the talents. So we're focusing on treasure, so our money and our possessions this week, and we're going to be looking at that through the lens of this parable of the talents. And it gets a little confusing in English because we don't use talent in the same way as it's being used here in this parable, but talent here is being referred to as a unit of money. Before I get into that, though, I wanted to begin by saying thank you. Thank you to all of you as a congregation on behalf of myself and Josh and Pastor Mark and Pastor Andrew for your stewardship in this area. Uh, Last week, you thanked us for our service of you, and it's my turn to return that thanks. Thank you for your care, uh, for your prayers, for the encouragement that you give to all of us and our families, it truly does make serving here a joy. Thank you also for the overall stewardship of this treasure that we've been given as a congregation, the the collective tithes that we take in. Last week we heard from John Mindorf. He had that pie chart uh, which detailed where all of the tithes go, where we direct those things to. And again, thank you for your stewardship there in our use of the tithes to care not only for the people of this congregation but for our community here in St. Charles County and beyond as we take up collections uh, like we did most recently about a year and a half ago for the refugees in Ukraine and that we sent over to the Lutheran Church in Pyszczyna, Poland. So having said all of that, when you read through the Gospels, one of the things that will strike you, if you haven't read through them recently, is that Jesus spends a lot of time talking about money and possessions and our relationship with those two things. Now, I believe the reason he spends so much time talking about money and possessions and our relationship to our treasures is because he understands that treasure for us, there is a very real danger that it becomes an idol. The thing which we we focus all of our time and our attention on, to the detriment of focusing our time and attention where it should appropriately be, on God. And so Jesus spends a lot of time talking about about treasure, about our relationship with our money and our possessions. And we're going to look at that through just one lens this morning, the lens of this parable of the talents. Because there are three lessons that Jesus teaches in regard to treasure and how we should view it here. The first lesson is this. When it comes to treasure, you shouldn't hide it or hoard it. 
Now, when you hear the word treasure, what images does that conjure in your mind? For me, I'll tell you what it doesn't conjure. When I hear the word treasure, I don't immediately think of my bank account or my latest bank statement. I don't think about my home or all of the things in my home. I don't think about my cars, the things that I would count as my possessions. When I think of the word treasure, when I hear that word treasure, my mind immediately goes uh, to piles of gold, gems, crowns, jewelry. That's what I think of when I think of treasure. I think of pirates and dragons. Now, maybe that's an indictment on me and the kind of stories that I like, but hang with me here for a second. We think of treasure in this way. What is it that pirates do with treasure? And all the stories, they hide it. What do dragons do with all the treasure in all of the stories? They hoard it. So Jesus, in effect, is saying here, don't be a pirate, don't be a dragon, don't hide your treasure, don't hoard your treasure. The effect in doing either one of those things is the same. You wind up not using this gift in the, for the purpose that it's been intended to be used. This is precisely the problem that that third servant runs into. You know, he's given this talent for himself from the master, a talent to hold on to, and what does he do with it? He immediately goes out and he digs a hole and he buries it. And then his master's away on his journey, and when the master returns to settle accounts with his stewards, this steward, you can imagine with... Uh, Joy he digs this treasure up and he brings it back. He hasn't lost a cent of what his master has given him. And so at this point in the parable, we might quibble a little bit with how the master treats this servant. Because after all, he was entrusted with this talent and he hasn't lost a single cent. He returns it all to his master and yet instead he receives judgment and indictment. And what he has has been taken from him and given to the one who had the ten talents. Why is he treated that way? Well, it's because that talent that was given to him, the treasure that was entrusted to him, it wasn't entrusted to him to simply keep it safe, to hide it or hoard it. It was entrusted to him for a purpose, a purpose that he neglected. He was meant to use it. So when it comes to treasure, don't hide it or hoard it. And this leads into the second lesson Jesus has for us in this parable. When it comes to the treasure that God has given us, we should use it. We should use it for the purposes for which he designed it. God has always meant for us to work with the things that he's given us. It's been this way all the way from the beginning. You go all the way back to the very beginning of creation, the dawn of creation, and God set Adam and Eve in the garden. And there, even before sin has entered the world, God sets an expectation for what their life will look like. And it's not a life of idleness. He gives them work to do. So in this way, work is not a product of sin. It's actually a good thing of God given to us. They were given charge and care over God's creation. They were to take care of it. And the same holds true for you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We too have received treasure, gift, gifts from God. 
And God expects us to use it. Unfortunately, sometimes we, we make the mistake of thinking of salvation only like a, a ticket to heaven. A ticket that we receive, and then we have to just sit back and wait, doing nothing until Jesus returns. But it couldn't be farther from that in reality. The reality is that, yes, God gives us this free ticket to heaven, this free gift of salvation, but he expects then that we will take that gift and the treasures that he gives to us and use it for his glory in service of our neighbors and to further his kingdom. He's always meant for us to work. And the incredible thing in this parable that we see is that God not only has a purpose for us that he wants us to fill, that he actually gives us everything that we need to fulfill that purpose. Now, reading the parable, too, you might feel a little bit sorry for that third servant, the guy that only receives the one talent. And you can make the mistake thinking that the master, as he left on his journey, didn't give him all that much to work with. But here again, this is where the reality couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, most of your Bibles, if you're you know, reading this on, uh, through your own scriptures, there's going to be a little notation here when you first see that word talent. And it's going to describe for you what a talent actually is. And what you'll see if you open up your Bibles and look at this later on is that a talent is a unit of money, a measure of money. And what it will say is that a talent is equal to 20 years' wages. So for the sake of argument and to make the math easy in my head, let's assume $50,000. We'll put this in today's money. $50,000 for a yearly salary. Multiply that by 20 years. And what this last servant is given to work with is over a million dollars. A million dollars that he just takes and buries in the ground and leaves until his master returns. With the treasures that God has given us, he intends for us to receive those and to use them for his glory and for his kingdom. And it's always meant to follow that pattern. We receive these gifts from God and then we work with what he's given to us. Uh, There's actually a a great passage in scripture that highlights this this pattern of giving, uh, of receiving and working with what God has given us. And it's a familiar one. It's from Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. It's true, salvation is a free gift of God given to us. And God freely gives us so much more than that. He gives us also our earthly treasures. But God gives them to us so that we might use them for his glory, for service for our neighbor's and for the growth of his kingdom. This then leads into the third and final lesson. So we learn in this parable that we're not meant to hoard or hide this treasure that God has given us. We're to use it for his purposes and for his kingdom. The last and final lesson is perhaps the most difficult one for us to come to terms with. Your treasure, when it comes to your treasure... It isn't yours. 
Now, show of hands, how many of you have seen the movie Finding Nemo? Been out for a long time. Okay, thanks. I'm glad that uh, you're all going to uh, remember this with me then. Now, uh, in the movie Finding Nemo, they, the animators happen to give one of the best animated depictions of seagulls in any movie I have ever seen. Now, in this animated movie, like many animated movies, the fish can talk, the animals can speak. The seagulls in this movie, if you remember, they have a vocabulary that consists of just one word. Anybody remember what that one word is, Ruth? Mine. And they say it incessantly in this movie. Mine, 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 mine. It even sounds like seagulls. It perfectly captures the essence of a seagull. The greed that sits at the heart of a seagull. And I, I say that because, unfortunately, that's often how we view our earthly treasures here, in that same way. As kids, it might be a little more obvious than as we grow and we become adults. But if you think about the things that you would list, if, if you were to make a list of your earthly treasures here, think about how you would talk about them. I can tell you exactly how I would talk about mine. Use this personal program. My house, my bank account, my cars, my things, my toys. It's not something I have to consciously think about. I just, it, it's just how I talk about these things. Naturally, it's, I'm willing to bet it's, it's how you talk about these things yourselves. And yet, Jesus would have us reorient how we think about these things that fall into this category of mine. He would instead have us see them not just as mine, but first and foremost as God's, things that have been entrusted to me for a purpose. So when it comes to treasure, we shouldn't hide it or hoard it. We should use it for the purposes for which God intends, understanding all the while that our treasures here They really aren't ours in any meaningful sense of that word. So how do you begin to practice these things? I think there's two things that are helpful. One, when it comes to our earthly treasures, we should hold on to them lightly. We should not be like the toddlers that we see who have an iron-fisted grip on those toys that are theirs. They refuse to share their toys with others. Because that mindset as adults, as we grow into adulthood, tragically it morphs and then what it becomes is this horrible thing where we hold on to our money, to our possessions, while others around us are in need. So we hold on to these things that we would fill into this category of our treasures lightly because all of these things here are fleeting. Here one day, they're gone the next. And even if the things that we have are lasting long enough, or will survive long enough that they'll live with us to the end of our lives, when we finally close our eyes in death, none of those things can we take with us. 
So we hold on to these things lightly, but we do it remembering that our best treasure, our best treasure is not something of this earth. This is why Jesus, when he talks about treasures, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That one statement is worth committing to memory. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's, in the scriptures, a beautiful depiction of what it looks like when a body of Christ lays up for itself treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. It's found early on in the book of Acts. And it's just a passing description of this early church, this early gathering of believers and what they're doing. And in many ways, what they're doing is what I see our body of Christ here at Chapel of the Cross doing. It's why I began this sermon commending you for your stewardship of the treasures that you have been given. Because we're told in the book of Acts that the believers, they were gathering together. That there wasn't a needy person among them. Because as many had houses and lands, they would sell those things on occasion and bring the money into the congregation. And then that congregation would send that money out so that there was not a needy person among them. So again, I'll commend you for your use, your stewardship of the treasures that God has given you here in this place. Continue to do that. And remember, when it comes to treasure, don't be a pirate or a dragon. Don't hide it or hoard it. But use it for the purposes for which God has given it to you. Not just for yourself or your family, but for the community, for your neighbors in need, for the extension of God's kingdom. Remembering all the while that what you have, it's not yours. It's a gift that God has entrusted to you for a period of time. Freely you've received, so freely give. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this week of celebration of Thanksgiving, I pray that you would open our eyes to the many great gifts that you've given to us, these earthly treasures, our homes, our possessions. As we give thanks for these things this week, Lord, open our eyes as well to see the needs of those around us. Give us opportunities to meet those needs. In Jesus' name, amen.